This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al anbiya'i wal mursaleen. نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه والتابعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد. We always praise Allah سبحانه وتعالى. We thank Him for everything that He has bestowed upon us. We ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى to grant us goodness. We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, his entire household, all his companions. We ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى to bless them and to bless every single one of us. My brothers and sisters, this evening we will be going through the lives of two of the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa with unique stories. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiyallahu an. His name was Mu'adh ibn Jabal ibn Amr al-Khazraji al-Ansari radiyallahu an. He was a handsome young boy, still in his teens, when he met Mus'ab ibn Umair radiyallahu anhu, who had come into Medina Munawwara in order to teach the people of Medina the deen. And so he heard the words of Islam, he heard the words of goodness, he heard the words of the Qur'an, and he accepted Islam when he was still in his teens. He was a very handsome boy and he was extremely intelligent. So he used to sit with Mus'ab ibn Umair an, and he used to listen to the Qur'an a lot. He then went to pledge the allegiance with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam known as the second pledge of Aqaba, just prior to the Hijrah, and this was during the time of Hajj. So he witnessed that and he pledged to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and he was from amongst those that as a youngster, he had decided with a group of his friends that all the idols that the people are worshipping, we will go out and we will break them somehow, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Now a group of young boys, they decided to do something. So they started with their own family and friends who had not yet accepted Islam. And then they decided one of the elder men known as Amr ibn al-Jamuh, he was known as one of the leaders or the, the sheikh of Bani Salama. And this was a tribe in Medina Munawwara. So he was one of the elders of that tribe. And he had a, a very good looking idol, quite a big one, made of wood. He used to take some perfume every day and he used to rub it on the idol and he used to uh, make the idol wear clothing of silk and so on. So he took a lot of pride in his idol and he used to worship the idol as well through the day. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal and a few of his friends at night, when this man was asleep, they went into his house. And as they got into the house, they tiptoed in, they got hold of this idol, they put it on their backs and they took it right outside where they had dug a pit the pit where all the dirt is thrown. They threw it and they ran away. So when the man got up in the morning, he saw his idol is not there. So he looked around for it and after some time, he found it in the dirt. So he got hold of it, he cleaned it, he wiped it and he thoroughly you know, made sure that it was clean once again, put it back in its place. The second night, the same thing happened. Same boys came back, tiptoed. The third night, Amr ibn al-Jamuh decides, no, 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 it can't happen again. Let me give this God of mine a sword. So he hung a sword on the neck of this God. And he says, now if someone comes to you, you better make sure that you attack them and defend yourself. 
Subhanallah. So now, Amr ibn al-Jamuh, as old as he was, the third night, the same thing happened. But Mu'adh ibn Jabal and his friends say, when we saw this, that there was now a sword, we decided to tie a dead dog that we found in that same dirt with this idol and we left it there. So when he looked for the idol, it was now in a different place, but it was tied with a dog. He got so upset and he looks at the idol and he says, you know, I worship you. I'm, you are supposed to help me and protect me and you can't even help yourself and protect yourself. Look at this, you tied with a dog. And that's when he realized, you know what, what I'm doing is absolutely wrong. So he was one of those who says his story and the tribute goes to Mu'adh ibn Jabal and his friends who were still quite young because this man actually accepted Islam thereafter. So this was one of the stories related to Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu when he was still a young boy. The same man, he was with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He used to listen carefully and repeat the Quran exactly as he heard it until he became as known, known as one of the best reciters amongst the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say to the other companions, if you want to learn how to read the Quran, I advise you to learn from one of the four of my companions. Who were they? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, Ubay ibn Ka'ab, Mu'ad ibn Jabal, and Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfah radiallahu anhum. These were those who were known as brilliant reciters. They could pronounce the words correctly and recite melodiously as Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to read. They used to imitate and copy. Subhanallah. May Allah grant us the ability to recite beautiful Quran. This evening we have with us students from the Hifth schools and we hope inshallah that Allah accepts it from them and makes us also from amongst those who can memorize and recite beautifully. I'm sure many of us would have a lot of favorite reciters whom we like to imitate and so on. The idea is to be able to read correctly more than the imitation itself. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. So my brothers and sisters, this man became known as one of the ulama of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. The ulama. So much so that Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu says that one day I heard Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa say that when the ulama are resurrected on the day of judgment, Mu'adh ibn Jabal will be from amongst them. Subhanallah. That means knowledgeable person. He had a lot of knowledge. And the hadith says, A'lamu ummati bil halali wal haram. The most knowledgeable of my ummah or from my ummah of halal and haram is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. Radiallahu He was sent by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on several missions to teach people the deen to teach people Islam and the Quran and rules and regulations. One of the first missions was straight after the victory of Mecca, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Mu'adh ibn Jabal to stay in Mecca and to teach some of the people. Subhanallah. He stayed for a little while and he came back. And thereafter, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent him with Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu anhuma to Yemen. And on their way there, if you recall, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave, gave them an instruction you are going to teach the people the Quran and the religion. Bashira wala tunafira, wa wala tuasira. Give good news. Don't give bad news. You know, don't doom the people. Give them hope. Subhanallah. And then he says, make things easy for them. Do not make them difficult. Imagine, subhanallah. This was the instruction of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Who are we today to make things difficult for everyone here thinking that, you know what, I'm preaching the deen. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us so that we can 
really promote that which is full of ease and goodness in such a beautiful way without compromising what is right and wrong. My brothers and sisters, we ask Allah to make it easy for us to follow the goodness. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal, radiallahu anhu, they had returned from Yemen and he was sent back to Yemen at another stage. And this time he was sent in order to judge between the people and to teach them once again a different place. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam walked with him as he was bidding him farewell and tells him, O Mu'adh ibn Jabal, perhaps you might not see me again. Allahu Akbar. As they're walking, the Prophet says, O Mu'adh, perhaps this might be the last time you're seeing me, but my advice to you is as follows. And he gave him a whole lot of advice. From amongst the advice, he asked him questions. He says, O Mu'adh, what will you judge by? When you are teaching them, what will you use? He says, I will use the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then what else? So he says, if I don't find the ruling in the book of Allah, I will use your sunnah. Meaning everything we've learned from you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the traditions. And if you don't find it there, then he says, then I will strive to draw rulings based on what I know from the Quran and from your teachings. Subhanallah. What a beautiful way of wording it. Then Muhammad sallallahu made a dua and he says, Alhamdulillahi wafaqa rasula rasulillah lima yarda rasulullah. I thank Allah who has granted acceptance and guided the messenger of the messenger of Allah in accordance with that that has pleased the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which means whatever he's told me now is very pleasing. And he is my messenger and I am the messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu, a great man. It is also known that at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, a letter was sent to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu by the governor of Asham. And he asked for help, send people who can come and teach the Quran. So he chose Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, called up the five experts of the Quran at the time. Now remember, there is a difference between one who knows how to read and one who can understand and who has deep knowledge of the meanings. There is a difference between the two. But what you need to know is that some were gifted with both. Subhanallah. You know, not every reciter is a public speaker. Not every public speaker is extremely knowledgeable. Some are blessed with more than others. And some have just been given some in terms of a gift. So we need to make use of all of these gifts. Everyone is unique and each one has the qualities of leadership. But it's up to us to recognize the gift and to make use of it. So Mu'adh ibn Jabal was one of the all-rounders. When he spoke, everyone listened to him. When he read, it was perfect recitation. When he explained, it was the explanation. Subhanallah. This was Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an. Mu'adh ibn Jabal ibn Amr al-Ansari radiallahu an. So... Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu called Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Ubadat ibn al-Samit, Abu Darda radiallahu anhu, Ubay ibn Ka'ab and Abu Ayyub al-Ansari radiallahu anhu and tells them, I need to send three from amongst you. So immediately they said, look, Abu Ayyub is an old man. Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu is quite sickly. The three of us will go. So they went and it's reported that they started off with Hims. So they all arrived in Hims, the three of them, which is in Syria at this moment. May Allah grant peace and order. Stability and calm in Syria. Amen. And, and in all other lands. Amen. So my brothers and sisters, some of the companions say in the masjid of Hims, 
we saw some companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and there was a handsome man sitting in their midst who was quiet. Everyone was talking. But whenever they did not understand something, they looked at him, they asked him, and he gave such a beautiful answer that immediately I fell in love with this man. I went and inquired, who is this man that everyone is asking? And he's only speaking when he's asked. They told me, that is Mu'adh ibn Jabal, subhanallah, radiyallahu anhu. And this happened also in the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Some of the companions say that they were the outsiders who used to come and they used to just sit and look at Mu'adh ibn Jabal. He spoke very little. But whenever anyone had a question about halal and haram and explanation, they would go to him and say, Oh Mu'adh, tell us. So he says, one of the people came to him and said, Ya Abdullah, man anta? You know, O oh worshipper of Allah, who are you? What is your name? He looked at him and he says, my name is Mu'adh ibn Jabal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. You know, I always think of it this way. Jabal means a mountain. So he was really the son of a mountain, but he himself was an even bigger mountain, subhanallah, in the knowledge that Allah had bestowed him with. Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu. Let's take a few pearls from his life. This man was extremely good looking. He was well spoken. When he sat and spoke, everyone was sitting around him. If Mu'adh ibn Jabal was around, they used to like to sit near him because they knew we're going to learn something good from him. And whenever there was difference of opinion amongst them, he was the one who sorted the matter out immediately. When he spoke, they said, that's it. That's the ruling. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Now, at the time of the, at the death of Umar ibn al-Khattab, Mu'adh ibn Jabal had passed away earlier. Then Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, and we will hear what had happened. But if you recall, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu was stabbed by Abdurrahman ibn Muljim. And after he was stabbed, he said a very powerful statement. He was trying to appoint now a successor. He said, Wallahi, if Mu'adh ibn Jabal was alive, the problem was solved, he was going to be my successor. Subhanallah. That's how powerful the status of Mu'adh ibn Jabal was radiallahu anhu. They loved him so much. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu used to call him and ask him his opinion in so many important matters because he knew this man is a wealth of knowledge. Although he was one of the Ansaris, he accepted Islam just before the Hijrah, subhanallah, at the hands of Mus'ab ibn Umayr radiallahu So one day Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa tells him, and wallahi, before I say the story, after every salah, after every farad salah, it is sunnah to say astaghfirullah thrice. And then to say Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam. I'm sure we know this. And then to say Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. I'm sure we know this. If we don't, well, we've heard it today and we need to revive the sunnah and utter these words. Every single one of us needs to say this because it's the teaching of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So one day Mu'adh ibn Jabal radiallahu an was with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and suddenly Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa tells him, Oh Mu'adh, I love you. Subhanallah. Amazing. Ya Mu'adh, inni uhibbuk. Oh Mu'adh, I love you. Subhanallah. Amazing. The messenger sallallahu alayhi wa is declaring his love for one man, Mu'adh ibn Jabal. And he was quite young because he was in his teens when he accepted Islam. And here he could not have been more than, you know, a few years later than that. Subhanallah. So he says, Oh Mu'adh, I love you, but I want to show you some good words that you should never ever leave after your farad prayer. 
Subhanallah. What were these words? Mu'adh was all ears. Radiallahu an. He says, after your farad prayer, never miss saying the following words. Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. So what's the meaning of these words? Oh Allah, help me to remember you. Subhanallah. Oh Allah, help me to remember you. That's number one. Help me to thank you, to be thankful to you. That's number two. And help me to worship you correctly. Subhanallah. I've just read my salah. I just said, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Mu'adh ibn Jabal comes to mind. Why? It's his hadith. Subhanallah. So remember Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the man. And when you say, A'inni ala dhikrik, know what it means. Oh Allah, help me to remember you at all times. Help me to be thankful to you at all times. And help me to worship you in a good way, in the correct way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rectify our worship and make us from amongst those who are acceptable in his eyes. Amin. Mu'adh ibn Jabal as well. It is reported that one day he was asked by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Oh Mu'adh. How did you enter the morning? You know, it's an Arabic way, way of saying, Kayfa asbahd? You know, how are you? So he says, Alhamdulillah, I feel like I'm a true believer. So Muhammad says, And what is the truthfulness of belief? Subhanallah. You know, you are answering, I feel I'm a true believer. So he wants to know, what, what is that? So Mu'adh ibn Jabal says, When I get up every morning, I think to myself that I will not see the night. And when I enter the night, I think to myself, I will not see the morning. So I'm ever ready for meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amazing. He says, and not only that, when I take a step, I always tell myself, I have no guarantee that I'm going to take the next step. When I'm walking, I'm conscious of every step I take. I take one and I tell myself, I might not see the next one. Subhanallah. So this was Mu'adh ibn Jabal, the man who was constantly concerned about meeting with Allah. So he says, at all times, I was, I hope that I was almost ready to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. My brothers and sisters, subhanallah, what a great lesson we have from this. You know, when we pass away and we could die at any time because that is destiny. It is predestined. It is ours from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know when, but we could die at any time. So let's be ready. At all times, the best thing we could do is ask Allah's forgiveness at all times and have hope in His mercy. Let's go continue and see what happened to Mu'adh ibn Jabal. So, radiallahu anhum, one day he was gathered with some people and advising them. So he told them, you can learn as much as you want, but your knowledge will not benefit you until you put it into practice. What beautiful advice. Learn as much as you want, but your knowledge will not help you until you put it into practice. And then another, at, on another occasion, he was speaking to a certain man. The man says, Oh Mu'adh, you are a very knowledgeable man. He was known as Ulama al-Sahaba, min Ulama al-Sahaba. You are a knowledgeable man. Why don't you teach me something? He says, if I teach you, will you follow it? The man says, yes, I will. So listen to the advice he gives the man. He says, you must fast and you must also break the fast. What that means is voluntary fast, not every day. Some days you fast, some days you don't. It means be balanced. Don't be such that you use the excuse of religion to usurp the rights of others or even your own body is neglected and so on. And you say, no, I'm fasting for Allah. And it's every day. He says, you must be balanced. You do things and you also take a rest. Then he says, fulfill prayers at night and rest sometimes, which means be balanced. You don't have to read all night. 
but you be balanced. Muhammad used to say, the best of deeds are those that are done regularly, even if they are very little. So learn this. Sometimes we, are, we feel like we are pious, so we sit with the Quran and we read so many chapters of the Quran. And for another month, we don't read anything. So better than that is read five lines a day, subhanallah. But read it every day. Develop the system so that you gain closeness to Allah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness. So he says, and I continue my advice to you. You should earn, but do not earn a sin. And then he says, do not die except in the condition of submission, which means be ready for death at all times. And be very careful, be worried about the prayer that is made against you by one whom you have oppressed. Don't oppress people. If you harm people, if they pray against you, that prayer will be accepted. You suffer in your life, you won't know why I'm suffering. But it will have been because you hurt someone and they happen to make a dua against you. Brothers and sisters, we are taught that when someone hurts us, say a good prayer for them. Don't say a bad prayer. Because that is the time the angels are saying, Ameen, to your dua. Why do you want to make a bad dua? Someone hurt you. Oh Allah, destroy him. What for? What did you gain? Okay, he was destroyed. Well done. What did you do? Nothing. You achieved zero. He was gone. But instead say, Oh Allah, grant him forgiveness. Make him a better person. Increase goodness between us. Now you would have achieved in a very big way. So this is spirituality. This is the teaching of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiallahu anhu, when death came to him, he was affected by the plague known as Ta'un Amwas, which happened in Asham. When death came to him and he was on his deathbed, he made a dua that taught us all a lesson. He says, Oh Allah, I feared you my whole life, but today I have hope in you. Subhanallah. How's that? He says, Oh Allah, I feared you all my life. I was worried. But today I have hope in you because my brothers and sisters at the point of death, we have no option but to have hope in the mercy of Allah. That's Allah. So this is a beautiful lesson. And he passed away. He had such a good death. It, he was only approximately 33 years old when he passed away. Imagine, very young. Yet they respected him before that as a great scholar of Islam. Subhanallah. And he passed away in the year 18 Hijri, in the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. The next hero we will be speaking about this evening is another great man, a great scholar of Islam. He was actually a Christian monk, subhanallah. His name is Tamim ibn Aws al-Dari radiallahu anhu. Tamim ibn Aws al-Dari is originally from Yemen. He comes from the Qahtan tribe. But there was a flood that occurred in his area which made everyone run which means they went out of that area of Yemen and they ended up in what we know today as Palestine subhanallah so this man was in Jerusalem and it is reported that he settled in Bethlehem in Bethlehem and he became a very big priest because some of the people became Christians some remained on that idol worship and some became Jews and some did other things he was from amongst those who was impressed by Christianity so he became a Christian and he became a priest and he became a monk and he used to teach the people in the monastery and he did so much he had black clothing he wore a big turban a big hat and at the same time he had a, a cross that was dangling you know from his neck and he says I used to teach people about Christianity and already Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa was, you know, a messenger. And I didn't know 
But I was very keen. I used to try and search for the original teachings of the Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah and the Injil. And he says, one day I had a journey to be made. So I went out. And at nightfall, I was still far away. So I decided, no, let me rest at this place. And I found myself in a valley where there was mountains. And for the first time, I felt so scared. Because I, I know about jinn. You know the jinn kind. I think when we talk about jinn kind, some people say, hey, don't talk about it. I won't be able to sleep. Subhanallah, don't worry. Read the last two surahs of the Quran and you will sleep, inshallah. You know, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the jinn and even from the evil of mankind. Amen. So my brothers and sisters, he says, when I felt this, I remembered that when I was much younger, the Arabs used to say, when you are scared of the jinn of the mountains, you must ask protection from the jinn of the mountains. Up to today, in a lot of cultures and traditions across Africa and some of the Asia, uh, some of the Middle East, sorry, and even some of South America, I've heard that when, you, when there is a mountain, the people ask for protection from the god of the mountain or the jinn of the mountain. So he says, I was trembling, although I myself was a monk, but I said to myself, which means I seek the protection of the, the chief jinn of this particular valley. So he says, as I lied down, I heard a voice. Subhanallah. The jinn spoke to him. What did they say to him? The jinn says, Seek the protection of Allah, O oh man. The jinn cannot help you. So he was shocked. He said, what do you mean? Subhanallah. Seek the protection of Allah. The jinn cannot help you. And he was surprised. So the jinn, he says, what do you mean? The jinn says, there is a messenger from amongst the unlettered who has come out in Mecca and he has brought a book, the completion of the Old and New Testaments. It is the final testament. He has come out. We have heard it and we have accepted the message. You ask the help of Allah over the jinn. You don't ask the help of the jinn. The man was shocked. So he said, A'udhu Billah, I ask the help of Allah and so on. And he slept the night and he started recalling that in his books, in the testaments, he had read about this messenger who was going to come. And the description was that of Medina Munawwara. So he's trying to add the two together. The following day he got up and he went back to his area. He went straight to the chief monk and he asked him, look, this is what happened to me last night. He says, it is very true. There should be a messenger. It's about time he has come out and he will probably be in that area. So he says, I started gathering some of my friends and we gathered a group of people. It was the ninth year of Hijrah. And subhanallah, he says, we arrived in Medina Munawwara. We looked at Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And immediately I told him, I bear witness you are the messenger. Allah is one. There we are. Subhanallah. So who invited him to Islam? It was the jinn. Subhanallah. Tamim ad-dari. Tamim ad-dari. Subhanallah. Radiyallahu an. And he has another famous story which is in Sahih Muslim. One day Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam called his companions. And he then gave them a talk, a lecture. And he told them, do you know why I'm calling you? Tamim ad-Dari has told me something that I used to tell you and what he is telling me is something exactly accord, in accordance with what I've told you. So I just want you to listen to this. So Tamim ad-Dari radiallahu an, he narrates his story. He says, they were traveling on a boat one day and the boat was rocking. I'm going to cut the story a little bit short. The boat was rocking. They ended up on an island and they got to the island and that island they met 
a man, a huge man, very hairy, looking like a beast. And you know, they started asking him questions and he was asking them questions. And it turned out that he said he was tied. And he says, I am the Dajjal. I am the Dajjal. This hadith is in Sahih Muslim. So he says, we started asking him about him. He says, I'm going to come and this is what I will do. I will be destroying city after city. But Makkah and Medina, I will not be able to get there. And has this messenger come? So they said, yes, he has. Subhanallah. So now he said, well, my time has not yet come. The time of my release has not yet come. Cut a long story short, they jumped onto the boat and they carried on and they returned. So when Tamim al-Dari radiallahu anhu told this to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa he said, Allahu Akbar. He called the people and said, listen, this is a totally separate person altogether who is confirming it separately. I've been telling you people about Dajjal and the fact that he will not come to Makkah and Medina. Here is confirmation of it completely separately. Subhanallah. And the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they did not need that confirmation, but it was just something that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa had intended to show them. So Tamim al-Dari was a man that was known for a few things. He came from Bethlehem all the way to Medina Munawwara and he accepted Islam, being one of the Christian monks. So he was the first person, it is reported that he was the first person to introduce a lantern in the masjid. Before that there was no lantern. They used to use little candles and a few other methods of light, you know, a little fire and so on. He was the first one who introduced a lantern, number one. So remember the lantern, they didn't even have a lantern at the time. He was the one who introduced it and it was more common further up north. He brought it down with him to the south. Another thing he introduced, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to sit on a stump, stump of a tree when he used to speak to the people. So Tamim al-Dari radiallahu an, it is reported that he is the one who suggested the mimbar, which is made up of three stairs so that you can sit on one, lean on one and put your feet on the other. So he is the one who then made the mimbar because he was also a carpenter, subhanallah. So Tamim al-Dari, this is according to some of the narrations, he was part of those who made the, the mimbar and some narrations say he was the one who made the mimbar. But when you think of the mimbar, you think of Tamim al-Dari, radiallahu anhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us and may he use us also to serve this deen. So when he met Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa for the first time, he told him, that, O oh, Messenger of Allah, you will be victorious upon all the lands, all the lands around us. And when you are victorious upon a certain piece of land, and he mentioned the name of a certain piece of land in Asham, then please can you give it to me? Subhanallah. And the companions are sitting there. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu was sitting there. And he, this man was a knowledgeable person. He says, when you are victorious over the lands, give a certain piece to me. So it happened, it so happened, and this was up in Palestine. Muhammad said, okay, it's yours. Which means, if we get it, I'll give it to you. He says, can we make a note of that? They made a note of it, subhanallah. In the year 15 Hijri, at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, they went up into Jerusalem, they got the land, and here comes Tamim al-Dari radiallahu anhu. He says, this piece of land is mine. It wasn't a big piece of land, a small piece of land. So the Sahaba radiallahu anhu said, who, who gives you the right to take the land? He says, well, I have something from Muhammad sallallahu to prove that it's mine. So Umar ibn al-Khattab was Amirul Mu'mineen. He says, wallahi, I'm a witness. I heard it with my own ears and I know it's his peace. This is yours. Subhanallah. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us goodness and ease. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us our own pieces of land. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us such that we do not concern ourselves more on the pieces of land we have in this world than that which we want to achieve in the hereafter. So may that be of greater importance. I mean, my brothers and sisters, something you need to know about this man, Tamim al-Dari, radiallahu anhu. He used to dress himself up as though he was meeting a king of kings every time he read salah. He bought a cloak worth 1,000 dirhams and he used to wear it for salah. Even at night when he was alone in his home, everyone used to sleep. He used to get up, wash himself thoroughly, put on the best of clothing, put on some perfume and he used to get up and say, Allahu Akbar, as, as though he is meeting the king and it is a meeting with the king. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verses, Ya bani adama khudhu zinatakum inda kulli masjid. O children of Adam, beautify yourselves when it comes to the places of worship. When you want to worship Allah, dress appropriately. That's a verse of the Quran. You find Tamim al-Dari radiallahu anhu used to practice this to the T. So much so that the companions say, that he used to take pride in his dress and he used to start his prayer. Nobody could distract him. It was a plug-in with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look at these companions one after the other. What about us? How do we come to the masjid? How do we read Salatul Fajr? I'm not going to say how. You know how. Subhanallah. May Allah help us to improve ourselves. Wallahi, let's take pride. At least we make wudu correctly. We take our time, you know, and do things inshallah. Perhaps one day we will also be able to meet the likes of Tamim al-Dari and them in Jannah. He passed away after, in fact, after the time of Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu an. You know, he, he shifted back to Medina Munawwara and when Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu anhu was murdered, Tamim al-Dari radiallahu anhu decided to leave Medina Munawwara. He could not handle the, 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 the conflict anymore and he went up to, back to Palestine. He stayed there and he passed away there in the year 40 Hijri. It is reported that he used to read one Mus'haf, meaning the Qur'an, every seven days, complete. Every seven days for his entire life, he would complete the Mus'haf. Now let's ask ourselves, have we completed it in seven years? And I'm talking of reading and also understanding. Reading is important, understanding is equally important. You need to know this. One cannot do without the other. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who can complete it, if not in seven days, then at least in seven months, my brothers and sisters, at least in the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from us. These were some of our heroes. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us all. Wallahi, I really appreciate. I'm seeing some of my friends from the Philippines who have just come in. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you all. May Allah bless this beautiful country and the Muslim Ummah at large and help us all. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.